0: Hello, my name is Dave Gonzalez, and I haven't read any of the books in George R. R. Martin's *A Song of Ice and Fire.
1: I'm Joanna Robinson. I've read every book in George R. R. Martin's *A Song of Ice and Fire.
0: And I'm Neil Miller, and I have also read all of those books. We are headed back to Westeros to cover the Game of Thrones spinoff series, House of the Dragon.
1: We'll be answering your questions, so send us a raven at trialbycontent at gmail.com.
0: Take some bread and salt and join us Thursdays on the Trial by Content feed, and don't worry, you're safe. The Reigns of Castamere hasn't even been written yet.
1: This episode is
0: brought to you by 20th Century Studios' Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. As a ruthless king builds his empire at the expense of the remaining human race, a young ape will fight for the future of apes and humans alike. Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes, enter the kingdom in IMAX this Friday and in theaters everywhere, get tickets now.
2: All right, it is Monday, August 22nd. In movies, the director is king, but in TV, it's the showrunner. This is the writer-producer who leads the writer's room and generally is responsible for the creative direction and output of the show. Sometimes it's also the creator who writes the initial pilot script. Sometimes it's not. But it's basically a combination of someone who has writing skills, management, and overall vision for what these characters in this show should be. In the past 15 years, we've seen the rise of the showrunner in Hollywood, perhaps now the most important job in the industry. It's also one of the most lucrative, The top showrunners can make nine figures from places like Netflix, Warner Brothers, Disney, if you can deliver. Not just quality, but quantity. If you're Chuck Lorre or Dick Wolf, these guys have made dozens of shows over the years, made hundreds of hundreds of millions of dollars doing it. So let's say you're a studio or network head. You're assembling a showrunner all-star team. Five picks, the best team possible. That's what we're gonna do today. I've got Lucas Shaw in here. We've done our research. We've done our homework on this stuff. We know the showrunner community, we think. And we're gonna do the first annual showrunner draft. From The Ringer and Puck, I'm Matt Bellany, and this is The Town. All right, we are here with Lucas Shaw, and we're about to do something dicey. Something that will probably generate a lot of hate mail and bad tweets. We're going to do a showrunner draft. You and I are going to pick our teams as if we are assembling an all-star squad of the best television writer-producers we can find. Are you ready for this task?
0: I'm so ready. I'm excited. I feel like this is one of the first ones that I, I helped us come up with.
2: Yes, it was your idea. So direct all tweets to at Lucas Shaw. And we're going to set the rules here. First of all, We are assembling a team just like a studio or network head would if they came into a job and said, I want to work with the best and most prolific people. You want people that are just hitting their prime. So the past counts, shows they've done in the past, but this is forward-looking. This is a true draft. There is no salary cap, meaning you can get five of the most expensive showrunners that are out there, people who have nine-figure Netflix deals. You can select someone who has done one show and does not have an overall deal. This is So this is not a all-time best showrunners list. This is not something where you're going to, you know, we, we're putting people on Mount Rushmore or whatever you want to call it these So days. As,
0: great, as great as Dick Wolf is and as many shows as he has, he's 75. And so you're accounting for the fact that he's probably not still going to be making TV in 15 years. Absolutely. Uh,
2: quality and awards do matter, but only in the sense that they lead to more opportunities and more money. This is a volume game. This is something you want people who are going to have multiple shows across many years. So even someone, let's say like a Vince Gilligan, who just finished Better Call Saul. Vince is great, but he does one show for like five or six years and then moves on to the next one. So I would not put Vince Gilligan in a list like this, as great as he is. Um, We're also freeing people from their existing deals. So you know it doesn't matter if someone is signed to netflix or peacock or whatever we are assuming that they are free and clear and you can buy them for whatever price um this has nothing to do with talent this is not a quality show lucas and i own personal opinion of these people does not really matter um this is all about their financial viability the audience and the money that they generate um all right is that enough for the caveats and rules yeah i think so and as always Producer Craig will be the arbiter here. He'll be the judge. If we get out of line or there's a dispute, he will resolve it. He also has an opening question to determine who will be the first pick.
1: I do. How young was the youngest showrunner to get a show on the air? And for bonus points, if you both guessed the same uh, year or if you were equally uh, apart on the on the year, who was it? Oh, can I go first? No, you got to say it at the same time, both of you. The, say the age at the same the age. time. age. All
0: right, yes. I, yeah, I have no idea. So I feel like, and I feel like Matt does, but we'll do it on three. One, two, three, 29. 23.
1: Lucas is closer. It is 25 yeah. years old. <laughs> oh, but I know who it was. <laughs> who? Wasn't it Josh Schwartz of the OC? Nope, he was 26. Ah! It was Seth MacFarlane for Family Guy. Oh, wow. Animation though? Oh, it counts. It was on Fox.
0: Yes. Animation very much counts. And I have an animation pick. Oh,
2: that's what you're doing. Okay, you're going to have an animation pick. I did not go there. All right, that's fine,
1: though. That's fine. So Lucas will go first. But that brings me to my next point. Uh, I feel like first pick has had an unfair advantage in the past two drafts we've done. So Mm -hmm. what we're going to do is Lucas will get the first pick. Matt will get the next two picks. And then we Mm. will go back to alternating between Lucas and Matt.
0: All right, I'll take that. I am not gonna lie. I kind of wanted picks two and three. <laughs> okay, you know what? You cannot
2: pass. You you win. You get first pick. Uh,
0: I'm gonna take. I think I'm gonna take what I consider the most obvious selection, which is Greg Berlanti. He is as prodigious as prodigious as as you know some of the other people uh, that that I'm sure will mention. Uh, he's got a lot of the big kind of CW DC shows. Um, that includes The Flash, it includes Supergirl, it includes Arrow, it includes t- you know, Titans, on and on and on. Um, he had a pretty big hit on a more kind of uh, prestigey level with with Flight Attendant um, and is kind of, the I'd say, the archetype for someone who at this point is effectively running a company. He's not day-to-day on, on any show, as best I can tell, or if he is, uh, he's managing that with a bunch of other things, and importantly, he is—he just turned fifty, so he is like right in the kind of the, the middle of his prime.
2: All right, that's a good pitch. I probably would not have picked Berlanti first, only because there's so much uncertainty about what's going on with the CW. The CW has been sold; it was owned by Paramount and Warner Brothers. It was sold to NextStar this year. They have said that they are going to move away from the kind of shows that Greg Berlanti does and into older and more news-oriented content. So I think that is going to have an impact on the volume of shows that he does. Now, obviously, But he, we're picking these people regardless of those deals. So you I, all I, I understand. Yeah. I understand. But he has benefited a lot from that arrangement where the CW would greenlight all these shows that... Didn't really make money on the network, but they would sell them off to Netflix and make a huge amount of money. So it enabled them to greenlight and greenlight and greenlight. That's going away. I think he will still be very prolific on all these other outlets. He has shows everywhere. Um, But I probably would have picked him second, third, or fourth.
0: Just saying. He also yeah, low, like I you. Mean, have, that's
2: good for you because you then can pick your first choice. With the next I get one. it. I totally get. it. I mean, the guy. Don't get me wrong. The guy's IMDb is like Warren
0: Peace*. I mean, he has produced dozens and dozens of shows, and those shows are huge on Netflix. And if Netflix could steal him away, they would give him a billion dollars.
2: That's probably true, but uh, I just think it's going to be the volume is going to lower uh, in this new environment. So, but still great, still a great pick. All right, my number one pick. I'm going to go with Taylor Sheridan. Taylor Sheridan, the Yellowstone guy, he now has, I think it's, if you count all the development stuff, it's like eight or nine shows in the works. He's got Yellowstone. He did 1883. He's got 1932 with Harrison Ford and Helen Mirren. He's got Tulsa King with Stallone. He's got Bass Reeves with David Oyelowo. He's got Lioness with Zoe Saldana. He's got Landman. With Billy Bob Thornton. I don't know what any of these are. He's got Mayor of Kingstown <laughs> with Jeremy Renner. These are not shows that, that you may watch, but they are very popular. And importantly, they are basically propping up the Paramount Plus streaming service. Because other than Yellowstone, which airs on Peacock instead of Paramount Plus, all of these shows are headed to Paramount Plus. And he is so important to that network. They are just going to keep green lighting and keep green lighting. And importantly, he writes them all. He writes all the Yellowstone shows. He's very involved, even though he doesn't write every episode of the others. And I just think this guy is a machine. He has proven the ability to keep the quality up while he's doing other, you know, doing multiple shows. And if I had
0: one person I'd bet on, it would probably be Taylor Sheridan. It's a great pick. I had him third on my board. So if I had gotten the two, three like you, I definitely would have taken him. Um Yellowstone is the biggest show on cable. Uh, I think the question I have with him is he is starting to build an empire around that around him. It is still to be determined how big or successful the non Yellowstone shows are. Like the Mayor of Kingston one that you mentioned, it was like a nice little. It was a nice show. People liked it. I don't know that the viewership was that big. They've got the Yellowstone spinoff coming, so I'm sure some of this will work. He's prodigious, um, but I took Berlanti first because Berlanti has more of a proven track record. That makes
2: sense. My thing here is I want people that are just hitting their prime. And yeah. it seems like Taylor Sheridan is is primed for, he's going to be ubiquitous very soon. All right, my number two pick, Alex Kurtzman. You laugh. I can see you silently smiling. But there are now five Star Trek shows. They will do Star Trek shows forever on whatever platform. This guy has a brand new nine-figure deal. He is you know, very, very talented. He's been around forever and he, you know, he, he directs. This guy is going to work nonstop forever.
0: I did not even have him on my board. Um, really? You know what? He's kind of under the radar, though. He's used- I-
2: prolific as he is because nobody outside of the fandom watches Star Trek. But this guy, this guy will have volume, 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 and he can manage other stuff.
0: I have to admit, I feel like you're sort of going against our original principles, which is you're picking people based on the stuff that they're attached to and sort of where their corporate no, relationships are going to direct them. No, 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 I'm not. Because no, Alex I mean, Kurtzman yes. to me, has not, like, yes, he is, like, he's the consummate team player for Paramount. He took over the Star Trek universe for them, has made it pretty reliable. But he doesn't have, for my money, like, a great track record of delivering a show that really ignites cult. I mean, you are like squarely in that paramount appeal to middle of the country family. And I get it that it works for him, but like name an Alex Kurtzman show that you're really excited about or that you think the culture is really excited about. I mean, I do know fringe was pretty good. Okay. I don't know. I just
2: feel like it's not just about his past. I I feel like this guy is going to be very prolific for a while. I mean, you pick Berlanti and Berlanti's success in part is based on Warner Brothers giving him the DC catalog and saying, run wild. I mean, that's essentially what Paramount is doing with Star Trek.
0: Okay, well, the good news about this is you've allowed me to take my second pick fourth. All right. And you're not going to like it, but to me, it's obvious. Second pick is Shonda. I mean, she... Oh, wow. She... Doesn't make as many shows as these other people. But, yeah, that's my, you know, that's my knock on her. But everything she's touched for Netflix has been huge. Now you can say again that's because of the Netflix relationship, but that was her track record at Disney too. She, there, there are, there is basically no other showrunner with a history of making shows that are stay huge and stay big for a long time as Shonda Rhimes. I,
2: I will give you that. I just I just am looking at the past with her and I don't know if she will be able to keep that up in any kind of volume because she hasn't you know she's been in Netflix how many years now three four she's had two shows two and a half
0: then that was definitely the knock on her and then she delivered Bridgerton and inventing Anna back to back and I think you know there is there is risk that she won't make as many things but she has too big of an enterprise around her to only do one or two shows at the same time. I think it really took her a little while to get going at Netflix. And she, like Berlin, all the people we've picked, by the way, right now are between like the age of 45 and 55, which means that they are at the peak of their powers right now. And we're basically picking people that we think are going to be able to sustain that for the next 10 or 15 years. And I see no reason to believe in, in, in the cases really for anyone we've picked, but especially for Berlanti and Shonda and, and I think Taylor Sheridan, that they're going to like tail off unless they just get bored because they have so much money and would rather do other things, which is a risk.
2: well, Shonda does have the infrastructure now set up at Netflix. So presumably the conveyor belt of shows will get more active than it has been. But I just until it happens, we don't know. I mean, I think Netflix would be happy if she delivered one great show a year. But the idea in signing her to that nine figure deal and then re-upping her was that it would be more often than that. And that really hasn't happened yet.
0: Yeah, I mean, I think there was a lot of, there was some concern at Netflix until Bridgerton hit, and then it was just so big. And then Inventing Anna, even though it didn't get nearly as good reviews, was also one of their most successful shows ever. Um, So, yeah, I mean, we'll see. We'll see how how prodigious she remains. All right, for my number three, I'm going back and forth
2: on this one. And maybe just to dovetail off of you, my three and four were kind of interchangeable. So I'm going to go
0: with Mindy Kaling. Ah! I so that was that was my next pick. Uh, but because you left Shonda on the board, I had to take her, and I'm very upset about this. You
2: snooze, you lose. I actually would pick Mindy over Shonda if I had to pick because
0: I thought about it. Mindy, I mean, she's
2: famous, you know, she's an actress as well, but as a showrunner, never have I ever, big hit. Sex lives of college girls, big hit. She has a sensibility that I think when you look at the great showrunners, including Shonda, you know when you're watching a show that it is a Mindy show. And I think that is going to keep her relevant, employed, prodigious for many, many years.
0: I I could not agree more. She has two... Com- I watched the I watched the first couple episodes of the new season of Never Have Ever last night. I think she is sort of the the new queen of comedy on TV in a, in a lot of ways and is set up to just have two or three big shows on st- streaming at all times. She's also
2: you know she's 43 now, but she writes and appeals to a younger demo, um, which is incredibly powerful long term.
0: Yeah. I'm bummed about that one. That was my that was definitely my next pick. I probably could have taken her and then gone with Shonda since you're not a a fan.
2: No, I had Shonda in my like,
0: you know, second tier uh, with a couple of others. We're now entering my my second tier. That th- th- those those were my top 4. I did not have Alex Kurtzman, Kurtzman in there. I'm pro- I'm now debating between uh, two well, other no, don't tell me who you're debating. No, no. Just I, I'm just going to say I I'm debating I get between to know who you're debating. I'm just debating between two co- kind of comedy people. Uh, I am going to go Mike Schur. Okay. That's a good one. And he was, uh, one of the creators of Parks and Rec. One of the creators of Brooklyn Nine-Nine. Um, The Good Place. Like, one of the most reliable creators of big comedies since you took Mindy Kaling. Uh, I'm going with him. He's involved in, in Hacks. He's involved with the show Rutherford Falls that I admit I've never seen an episode of. Um, and he is—he is definitely someone capable of working on a couple of different comedies at the same time. I think all these networks are desperate for it. The only knock against him, relative to someone like Mindy, is I don't know that his—you sh- like see one of his shows and like, no, it's a Mike Schur show, and he is not a known commodity outside of the industry. Inside of the industry, he is widely considered one of the best comedy writers and showrunners and EPs around. So, happy to have him.
2: I'm actually bummed that his Field of Dreams show that he was going to do for Peacock got canceled the last second. Um, There are scripts available. Someone should buy that show.
0: It'll it'll cost you almost $100 million, but you should still go and do it. And he wants to shoot it in L.A., but whatever, it's (laughs) Iowa, in L.A. (laughs) Um,
2: All right, so that's a good pick. All right, my next one. This may be controversial, but I'm going to go with Jon Favreau. Huh. Okay. So is there a bigger hit in streaming than The Mandalorian? Right? Put Disney Plus on the map at a time when a lot of people were spe- skeptical that Disney could compete with Netflix. He's done a couple seasons of that. He's done the spinoff with Boba Fett. He's got a bunch of projects in development. This is a guy who has been innovative his entire career. Um, the only potential knock on him would be that he does other things, like if he wants to go off and direct a movie or do nature specials or whatever, he may do that. But I think, as a showrunner, he his deal where whatever he does is going to be gigantic because uh, he is a hit maker.
0: So that would be my knock on him is that I think he, you're he's one where you are not going to get more than one project at a time. And maybe it's so big that it's worth it. Um, but I just don't see him being the kind of guy who wants to be EPing like three different shows, especially because he's also gonna want to well, But he TV. is. I mean,
2: he he's they have him consulting on other stuff yeah, at Disney and I don't really you know. consider
0: those his projects though. That's like the Marvel Feige infrastructure, and he's there to sprinkle some secret sauce on it. I just think he's got a lot of things going on and TV might not even be the first priority. All the other people we've gone through, they are TV producers.
2: I get that. I just feel like if I'm going to bet on him, if I'm going to bet on someone, I want to bet on someone who, whenever they touch something, it tends to do well, and this is that guy. Yeah, fair. All right, go to your number, what is it, four or five?
0: Four. I'm going to save, I'll go animation here, because I don't think you're going to pick my other person, and if you do, Mm -hmm. I'll be mad. So, uh, I had to look around. I'm going to admit I'm not an expert on this subject, but Lauren Bouchard creator of Bob's Burgers, and generally one of the most prodigious showrunners in all of animation, that's who I Really? Yeah. Really? Even though
2: animation, with exceptions, tends to be a one-hit wonder business? Yeah, I think so. So you believe the creator of Bob's Burgers is going
0: to create three, four, five animation super hits? Well, the creator of Bob's Burgers already has a show on Apple that seems to do okay. What show is that? Central Park. Uh, really? Does, I've okay. watched that. Okay. Does, right. okay. I'll give you that. It's on a third season. It's not like... Sure. And so, and I, they, I think he now has a deal at Apple. So, if it, yeah, I I just think animation is too important a category where if you're telling me I need to have five people to not have one of them and the, the, the three like kings of it, which would be Simpsons, Family Guy, slash McFarlane... And, uh, and South Park, you know, maybe, maybe the South Park guys are the, are the right pick instead, but I feel like they're all South Park all the time. Um, and they similarly have like a bunch of other things that they want to do. Whereas someone who's just going to be making Yeah. I
2: mean, the South Park guys have cashed out. You've written this many times. They've cashed out on that show like five separate times. Yeah.
0: So (laughs) I'm going, I'm going with someone who's actively working, but I solicit the listeners to submit a better animation person to me if they think there is one. Yeah, um, all right,
2: I'll give you that. My number five pick, you are going to groan when I say this because he is 66 years old. Are you going David E. Kelly? David E. Kelly. I thought about it. He's 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 prolific. I mean, the guy cannot stop. If you look at the shows that he's been, even just recently, Lincoln Lawyer is a huge hit on Netflix. He's got Big Sky on ABC, Nine Perfect Strangers on Hulu. He's got a miniseries coming called Love and Death. He's got a show called The Missing. I mean, the guy sells everywhere. It's a Disney Plus show. He sells everywhere. He took a little break for a while. This is a guy who's been working since LA Law in the 80s. And he took a break for a while, has kind of roared back in the past seven, eight years. Big Little Lies, huge hit. When he does something, he writes it himself, mostly. He will set it up wherever. You know, he likes to go at different networks. He may be older, but he's going to work for the next 10, 15 years, probably. Health forgiving.
0: And I would not, you know, I would bet on this guy. I... Of of the people who I put in sort of the old guard on my ranking, he was the one that I did think about pulling out, and then I just decided maybe this is ageist that I wasn't <laughs> going to take anyone over sixty because we're <laughs> supposed to be picking for the next fifteen years, and David E. Kelly will be eighty one in fifteen years, but at his current rate, he could be he could have four shows on the air at eighty one. So yeah, yeah, he's I just feel like you know, and I don't know why I feel this way, but
2: other you know someone like Chuck Lorre who is a prolific showrunner in comedy i just feel like chuck Lorre is kind of slowing down a bit or doesn't seem to have his pulse you know the finger on the pulse like he once did david e kelly still throwing a fastball even at 66
0: yeah okay my last one this is a bit of a a bit of a wild card um but i'm taking a i'm i'm taking a bet on courtney kemp Um, Oh,
2: I thought about her.
0: Created Power for Stars, huge hit, has since created multiple shows around that, then signed a deal at Netflix. If you're trying to pick someone who, like, she would be a bigger deal if Power were on a network that wasn't Stars. People who make hits for, like, that second tier, but don't get the same attention, but clearly have the talent. um, And she has proven that she can oversee multiple shows. Uh, You know, she cut her teeth, on The Good Wife and some other projects. I just think, like, if we're talking 10 or 15 years down the line, I could see her having a Shonda-type universe in short order.
2: Yeah, the only reason I didn't pick her is because, you know, the original power is over. And, you know, I don't know that she's created anything that is on that level. And the Netflix deal, correct me if I'm wrong, I don't believe anything has come out of that yet. Well, she just signed it last year. Okay, well, okay. Okay. So, yeah, I guess uh, maybe if we do this in a year, uh, it should be on the list. But I just, I'll either I just... look really smart or really stupid. Exactly. Um, all right, so a lot of big names we did not include. I mean, did you? where did you
0: have Bill Lawrence, the, the uh, Ted uh, he Lasso was, guy? He was in my next tier. The problem was that he was definitely in like the next cut, but he doesn't have enough going on other than Ted Lasso. Um, he He's never, I, I looked and he, it doesn't seem like he's ever had like two or three pretty big hits on the air at the same time.
2: He's had Scrubs and he's had a couple others, but yeah, you're right. And if you talk to writers in the writers community, he, you know, Ted Lasso is Ted Lasso because of Sudeikis and his partners there. Like, in, in fact, Lawrence was said to be a little bit more involved in season two. And I think season two got markedly worse, but whatever. That's, that's a objective uh, or a subjective assessment. No, Ryan Murphy. Yeah, that's another one where, you know, I asked some agents about this and they're like, why would you not pick Ryan Murphy? This guy is going to go back to Disney after his Netflix deal is over and he'll just start producing shows again. And maybe so, but he I believe he's very damaged after this Netflix situation. The shows were not good. They did not resonate. And Netflix is not happy with that deal. They signed him for a very, very rich deal and did not get that much out of it. No Tyler Perry. I had Tyler Perry as number six and, you know, I just, he has a ton of shows. He's got the oval house of pain Sistas. I just, you know, he has been doing this a long time. He does other things as well. The economics on those shows, you know, his personal deal is great, but I don't know that the economics of those, uh, of those shows are as, as good as he might get, if he were doing them for, um, a bigger outlet, so,
0: I don't know. I just yeah I just didn't it's hard know to it. say couple more glaring glaring omissions, that I know we want to do the the like up and comer no uh you 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 mentioned earlier, no Josh Schwartz slash Savage they do make a lot of big shows creator yes, of the Stephanie OC. Savage
2: they do um you know, and they've been doing it for twenty years or whatever. I, I just not quite on that level. same with Kenya Barris, who I think is great and did blackish yeah. um he had a big deal at Netflix and is left and is now working for Paramount Global. We'll see what comes out of that, but I I didn't think he was quite at that level. Uh, you know, I got close. The other one is Dan, Dan Fogelman's another one. He has Only Murders in the Building, he, which he's a producer on. I don't believe he's the day-to-day showrunner on that. He's not, um, yeah. Um, But he did This Is Us, which is the biggest broadcast hit of the past 10 years.
0: I had Fogelman and Shure. I was going to take one of them with that pick, uh, and I, I went with Shure, because I didn't have comedy after you took Mindy so right all right so let's go
2: to our sleeper this could be someone who has a show and that you think is going to be great but um you know could be someone who's late in his career her career could be anyone you want a sleeper
0: oh mine is, mine is obvious to me uh mm-hmm. mine, is, mine is quinta brunson
1: Damn it! Uh, <laughs> F you, dude.
0: <laughs> Abbott Elementary is the biggest. You gave it to me. The biggest new comedy on broadcast is has some of those vibes of a Mindy Kaling of a Tina Fey, where she's starring and creating. Will build an empire around herself, and uh, I I think it's no no question that she's going to end up being one of the biggest forces in TV over the next twenty years. F you, man. Seriously,
2: <laughs> um, I that that was my. That's my sleeper. I think you know that show is legitimately funny. I think she's got a lot of goodwill around town because she stars as well as as you know writes and produces. Um, would have been my pick, but I know that this is a draft, so I've got to pick another one. I'm actually going to go with uh, a even bigger sleeper because this is a one show wonder person, but someone that I think hit it so out of the park that he will be back is Chris Storr, who is the creator and co showrunner of The Bear on fx which is a fantastic new show uh starring the uh the guy from shameless jeremy allen hill and you know it, it it works because it's fast and funny and also dramatic which i think in the new streaming age there's going to be a market for these 20 25 minute episode shows and he packs a lot into eight episodes of you know half hour comedy
0: yeah, I, I love the bear. I'm I, and I'm curious to see what else uh, what he does next. That was definitely my a suggestion I got from my girlfriend was including him somewhere on the list. So I also know
2: nothing about him. So
0: hopefully there will be interesting He's, profiles he, of he, him. Yeah, he has done uh, he has he has done real work before the bear. It's not like his first first project.
2: Oh, that's right. I mean, he was involved with eighth grade. That great um, that great movie with Bo Burnham couple of he, years ago yeah he's
0: directed episodes of uh of rami i think he was a he was an ep on on the hulu show he's he's in he directed the first t- a couple episodes of dickinson he's he's done some things all right so maybe it's not
2: out of, out of nowhere but the, he was new to me so i'm gonna bet on him he'll be my sleeper my sixth man um all right that is it so let's go over the, tell me your picks again craig's gonna say
0: which team he would bet on
1: I'm going to make a poll on Twitter and I'm going to yeah. predict on this. I'm going to predict who is going to get the most votes.
0: All right. Great. I had Greg Berlanti, Sean Rhimes, Mike Schur, Bob's Burgers creators, Courtney Kemp, Quinta Brunson. I had Taylor Sheridan,
2: Alex Kurtzman, Mindy Kaling, John Favreau, David E. Kelly. And my sleeper is Chris Storr.
1: I think I'm going to lean towards Lucas's team.
2: Really? What, what was the deciding factor there?
1: Uh, I think Shonda and Mike sure are just like really huge names that a lot of young people know. And Quinta Brunson's a really great sleeper and the Mm. Bob's burgers hype. Like a lot of people online love Bob's burgers.
2: I know. I just, we'll see if, if if you can do that again, it's supposed to be about future performance. You have all the old people and those people on Twitter. (laughs) I do have all the old people,
1: but you know what? Old people watch television. Yeah, but they're not on Twitter. I'm talking about who's going to win the Twitter poll. <laughs>
2: oh, yeah, except. Oh, the Twitter poll. I mean, I'll probably get dragged for some <laughs> pick
0: or another. Uh, too many old white dudes. Do you have which, Mindy you know, Kaling
1: uh, holding on yeah, for you. Yeah, I buddy. do Mindy, 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 Mindy.
0: Kaling is the one rescue from, yeah, an all-white team. True, but does
2: <laughs> does do people on Twitter like Mindy? I forget. Is she Twitter positive or Twitter negative? I think
1: she's Twitter positive.
0: I okay. unwittingly half my team is black women, so maybe I'll get credit for that. But. All right, there you go. Um, all right, we will see never whether who's right
2: on this one. I mean, this is the impossible. Um, but I'm telling you,
0: the Taylor Sheridan shows. Oh no, he yeah, he was definitely like I said, he was he was gonna be my third pick. So unless he has a total flame out. All right, those are our picks.
2: We'll stand by them. If you have strong feelings one way or the other, please tweet at lucas not me thanks lucas thanks matt okay we are back with the call sheet let's do it craig first of all should we pick a winner in the contest to name the question corner rename the question corner do we have a something that you think is strong enough we have we have a good one i thought the guy that someone suggested press junket oh yeah right that is fun That's kind of funny. I mean, it is answering questions Mm -hmm. and, you know, press junkets are famously awful junket experiences where journalists get 20 seconds with the star and get to ask one stupid question and then they move on to the next person. So I do like that one. It's better than ask the idiot. It's better than ask the idiot. All right. So I want to properly credit Andres Comente on Twitter for suggesting that name. Thank you very much. You received nothing. All right. (laughs) On to today's prediction. Are you watching Game of Thrones?
1: I haven't seen it yet, but I will. House of the Dragon? I'll probably watch it tonight.
2: Big premiere last night. Uh, I think a lot of people are watching this. HBO Max crash, which I guess doesn't mean that much. It crashes a lot. But uh, yeah, I think this is going to be big. The question is how big? There's a lot of predictions out there on how many people will watch it and what metric they're going to use. We'll probably see some Nielsen numbers come out from linear viewing, either today or tomorrow tomorrow but that's not the number that matters. The number that matters is whatever HBO chooses to put out about the streaming consumption of this show. Uh, I assume they'll do something by the end of the week. The live plus seven number, which is the people who watch it during the first week, is probably going to be big. My guess is that it's going to be more than 15 million.
1: Now, how does that compare to old Game of Thrones numbers?
2: Uh, That's a good question. It's very difficult because... For most of its life, you know, Game of Thrones was primarily a linear show. So right. people would watch it the night of or maybe on TiVo the next day or two. Now in the streaming environment, um, you know, you you have, you can watch it whenever.
1: Yeah, but now, I mean, it's, I wouldn't say that 2018 was not the streaming environment, right?
2: People had it, but it wasn't, you know, there was no HBO Max. The audience.
1: Yeah, but there was what, HBO Go.
2: There was, but the number of subscribers to HBO Max is much larger now than it was back then when it was just, when it was just uh, HBO go. So you know the, the potential audience
1: is, la- is larger. So it, would 15 million on streaming back with Game of Thrones be the largest amount of streaming viewers they would have ever had? For the ratings for the original Game of Thrones, it
2: averaged a little less than 12 million viewers on HBO. And remember, over its first season, the original Game of Thrones only averaged about 9.3 million viewers across all platforms. Now, that was a long time ago, but it shows what the first season would look like. But when HBO put out numbers on all platforms over the last season, the eighth season, it was 44 million across all platforms during that. Now, that is the culmination of a huge run up to that final season. So House of the Dragon is never going to get to those numbers but i do think that for an initial viewing of a new show above 15 million is probably pretty good.
1: Okay. And is that what it's forecasted to be at around 15 and you're taking the over? For, I mean nobody forecasts, nobody
2: knows. I mean there's there are prognosticators out there who are saying that it'll be around 14-15. I I I don't think anyone knows. I don't think HBO knows. I don't think that there, You can accurately predict this with any kind of, you know, authority on this. So that's why I'm caveating this uh, with a huge grain of salt that I don't know the answer. But my prediction based on the gigantic marketing spend they did, I mean, unprecedented marketing and the fact that there's been such buildup for this show over the you know four and a half years since the original went off the air and the fact that there's not a lot out there right now. Other than this, uh, I think it's going to do great.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's a great time for a massive show to come out, considering what the box office looks like right now.
2: And it's two weeks before the Lord of the Rings show on Amazon. Uh, So we'll see what that one does. All right, that's my prediction. I want to thank Lucas Shaw. I want to thank producer Craig Horbeck. And I want to thank you. We'll see you tomorrow.
1: This episode is brought to you by State Farm.